0: are listening to a sermon from the Pulpit of Redeemer Church, a PCA congregation in Hudson, Ohio. For more information, visit us at RedeemerOhio.org. Tonight, the text that we'll be considering together is found in Luke chapter 1. And I'll be reading verses 39 through 45 if you'd like to follow. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Well, as you know, the angel Gabriel was dispatched from heaven to announce good news to Mary. She would conceive and bear a son whom they would call Jesus. And he would be a great savior sent to accomplish a great salvation. And as God's son and David's heir, he would occupy the throne and he'd reign forever. And this holy child would be preserved from the original sin by which all of us are tainted By a miraculous conception. Indeed, Mary herself would be overshadowed, we're told, by the Holy Spirit and Christ would be without sin. He'd have no human father. He'd be conceived by supernatural power. And Mary was astonished, as you can imagine. But she wasn't skeptical. She believed the word of God and she embraced the promise by faith. And so it's no surprise that this teenage girl went to visit her older cousin. Elizabeth herself had been barren, but would now be blessed by God with a baby. And with Gabriel's message fresh on her mind, Mary was eager to share the news. So these two favored ladies met and they poured forth their hearts. And of course, as we read at the sound of Mary's voice, Elizabeth's unborn baby boy leaped in her womb. Here was the forerunner of Christ, filled with the Spirit, jumping for joy. And by the same Spirit, his mother Elizabeth prophesied joyfully of the Christ. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, she said. And how her heart was full of gladness and amazement which was expressed in her thanksgiving and praise. She recognized that Mary's child was uniquely and undeniably blessed. He would be born of a virgin, born under the law, and he'd be our redeemer. For him, the first step of his humiliation. For us, the first step of salvation. And this child called Jesus would be holy and blessed And I want us to consider three reasons to explain why this is so. First, the Lord Jesus was holy and blessed because of who he is. The psalmist expresses the desire of the Old Testament saints when he says in 72, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. So the Lord is blessed in and of himself, eternally blessed, unchangeably blessed. He dwells in unapproachable light and he is infinite in blessedness. Jesus said to John, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. In other words, he is the Lord of whom the psalmist spoke. And when Jesus entered into his public ministry, God the Father said this, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The God-man Jesus was the object of the Father's special divine favor, and there was nothing about Christ of which God was not pleased. Our Savior was holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners. Paul says, from the Jews, according to the flesh is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. And as I said, as Mary's son, he was miraculously conceived and ever blessed for that reason. From the conception, he was set apart and fully consecrated to God as holy. He is the Lord. He is the blessed one. He is the holy son of God. Is it any wonder then that to know this Jesus Christ is to enjoy eternal life? The apostle tells us that he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So that if you know Jesus, you know God. And that's the greatest privilege known among men. The secret of eternal life is simply this, knowing God through Jesus Christ. It's not mere head knowledge like that which the devil has. He knows Jesus Christ. It's the kind of knowledge that influences the heart and the life. So he is the blessed fruit and the holy fruit because of who he is. But secondly, he was holy and blessed because of what he would do. We know it because of how Zachariah described the redemptive work that he would accomplish. John the Baptist's father said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. As God did for Israel of old, so he has done in the fullness of time. As he delivered them from their Egyptian bondage, so he delivers all believers from spiritual thraldom. The exodus from Egypt was a type of our redemption from the slavery of sin. And that's what Jesus did. He accomplished our salvation at the the cross and out of the tomb. And thus all of whom God takes into his covenant of grace are saved from iniquity. All whom he chose out of love and mercy are given to Christ as his bride. All for whom the son was stricken and smitten and afflicted are rescued from wrath. The Lord Jesus is the foundation and the security of the believer's eternal life. He accomplished what no one else ever could or would accomplish. As an innocent substitute for sinful people, he died by crucifixion. It's no secret. And in that grisly process, he endured the infinite weight of God's divine wrath. Think of that. The infinite weight of God's wrath. So that he cried out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What a task. What a mission. From the beginning, he knew what he had to expect. And it was a mission to which no one else was ever appointed to or fit for. Therefore, we sing, hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That great chasm between God and his people has been bridged and the great discord has been resolved and justice has been satisfied and mercy has been gratified and man has been reconciled with God. And that's why the psalmist can write, Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Don't you see? In the crucified Christ, all the attributes of God meet in glad harmony. Justice and mercy embrace. Holiness and grace join hands. Christ died so that God might be just and the justifier of those who believe in him. So for what Jesus would do, Elizabeth calls him holy and blessed. But then third, Jesus was holy and blessed because of the benefits that he would secure. It's not just who he is and what he's done that distinguishes him so. It's also the tremendous blessings that he secured for everyone who trusts in him. When the Apostle Paul concludes his epistle to the Romans, this is what the Apostle said. I will come to you in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. The blessing is spiritual. It's undeserved. It's never ending. Jesus Christ is all that we could ever want for time and eternity. He paid the ransom and he ascended on high and he makes intercession And he has loved us with an everlasting love, and we have a friend on the throne. And the house of God is the place where Christ's blessing always abounds. Christ's benefits and blessing constitute the high watermark of the Christian religion. Christianity says the grave has lost its victory and death has lost its sting. It says that all things work together for good for those who love God. And it says whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That's the high watermark of Christianity. Is this not a rich and eternal and inexhaustible blessing for the Christian? Jesus Christ is a ransom that was paid, a life that is hidden within, a friend who sticks closer than a brother, an advocate who's at the throne, and an elder brother who's always at our side. I have to be honest with you. I feel sorry for those who forfeit these benefits by unbelief. I feel sorry for them. They might say something like, it's too good to be true. I can't believe that. There might even be a burden on my life. My friend, you have no idea what you're talking about, if that's you. These heavenly truths are more true and more certain than anything here on this earth. This world is fading. Generations come and generations go, and where will we be in a hundred years from now? You see, all these blessings, now or later, can be found only in Jesus Christ In Adam and by our own sin, we have forfeited our right to any blessings of this life. And the only way by which to have them restored is through faith in Christ. And this is exclusive. I know that's countercultural. But that's the rub of Christianity. He's the only one. There is no other name under heaven by which we may be saved. Christ is the source and the foundation and the origin of all the covenant blessings. And of course, he has all blessings in his hand, but he himself crowns them all. To know him, to trust him, to fellowship with him is a blessing because he is the author of life, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on earth. And as David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So he is holy and blessed for who he is and what he would do and the benefits he would secure. Be a person ever so poor, sick, or full of sorrow in Christ, he or she can be blessed. If Jesus is his ransom and hidden in his heart and at his side and upon the throne, then no one can steal your joy. Nothing can separate that person from the love of God. No matter what a person endures in this world, he'll be blessed in the world to come. That's why the angels rejoiced. And that's why Elizabeth praised God. And this Christmas, we have reason to celebrate the incarnation of God's Son. Let's not grow insensitive to the magnitude of this tremendous mystery. The ever blessed, eternal Son of God in the fullness of time became man. How time and eternity can coexist in one person is so far beyond me. I don't understand it. It's a mystery. But I can, and I will believe it. I do so because in His Word, God tells me so, and He cannot lie. And as a result of his incarnation, God's plan of salvation is continued to unfold, and the coming of Christ should always bring new and higher joys. He is the blessed fruit of Mary's womb, a holy and exalted high priest. And that's good news for a lost and dying race. He's at the right hand of God. And for anybody who trusts in him, he pleads for him before the throne. The Bible says he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So dear friends, let's celebrate this Christmas by acknowledging Christ as the blessed fruit. He's the most important reason for observing the Christmas as a holiday. Why else assemble tonight for fellowship? Why else gather around a tree or exchange gifts? These joyful activities are dim reflections of the blessedness of Christ. So let's worship Him, and let's sing of the great salvation He's wrought. Thank you for listening. For more information or to connect with us, visit us at RedeemerOhio.org.